We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, this is Jermaine O'Neal, and you're listening to Setting a Pace on PacersTalk.net. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net. I'm your co-host, Alex Golden, and joining me as always, he is the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you, Michael J. Focci. Focci, what's going on, man? Ooh, nothing much. Always a great introduction from you, Alex. I Thank do appreciate that. And with two to three days until the NBA draft, depending on when you were listening to this, I couldn't be more fired up. Oh, man. Thursday can't get here quick enough. We already saw the Anthony Davis trade. We are going to talk about that in segment number three. But with the draft just around the corner, Fachi, I got to ask you, man, uh, are the Pacers uh, – are they going to draft anybody that's worthwhile, or is this going to be just a lackluster draft once again? Oh, man. Now, I can't for sure answer worthwhile as, you know, we have seen it in the past, you know, guys like Solomon Hill and TJ Leaf kind of coming to the Pacers where you're waiting, you're waiting, and then the wait's over and you realize nothing's really going to happen. Miles I, I do <laughs> Exactly. Now, I do feel good about last year's pick and Aaron Holiday. So for that, I am still hopeful that the Pacers can draft a guy that could hopefully contribute from day one. Yeah, I think Pritchard right now is uh, one for two on his NBA draft selections in the first round. He's a decent second-round drafter. I'll give him that. Take some swing on some guys, whatever. I mean, I'm not I'm not uh, against that at all. But, yeah, so let's talk a little bit uh, before we jump into the draft again. I want to just kind of promote the big three here real quick. This Sunday, June 23rd, Jermaine O'Neal, Steven Jackson will be back. Inside of what is now Bankers Life Fieldhouse, formerly known to them as Conseco Fieldhouse, they'll be back playing basketball in front of Pacer fans once again. I will actually be at the event, Fachi, and I'm asking anybody and everybody who is listening to this podcast who follows us on Twitter at SettingThePace3 to hit me up and let me know so we can do a meet and greet. I would love to get to know our listeners a little bit more and on a personal level. Uh, Please don't come at me with 
any uh, negative slander about Miles Turner <laughs> or anything along those lines. If you don't like what I say, be nice about it. It's okay. I mean, we don't have to agree. We're all we're all entitled to our own opinions. But I just want to throw that out there. Big three, we're coming for you. Hey guys, this is Jermaine O'Neal's return to Indiana. I mean, this is going to be awesome. There's also going to be other Pacers, former Pacers there, like Al Jefferson, uh, Brandon Rush. I'm, I'm sure there's a few other ones that I'm forgetting, but you know, this is going to be pretty awesome, and it's obviously kicking off the Big Three season. So, hey, why not see a couple former Pacers that uh, we all grew up and loved to watch? Yeah. So let's get back to the draft now, real quick. Uh, some reports a day from this is Jay Michael on Twitter. He's a beat writer for the Indy Star. Has been a, on our podcast a few times. Said the Pacers had interest in Keldon Johnson from Kentucky, but they're believing he won't be there at 18. What are your thoughts on Keldon Johnson? Someone we really haven't talked too much about. I, I like Keldon Johnson. I very lightly touched on him last week. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to be there. I believe that he is invited to the green room. I'm pretty sure. So he is expected to be basically a lottery pick. But, I mean, the Pacers could. I, I'm very intrigued by uh, by Kelton Johnson from Kentucky because you, these guys, they're just not featured in Calipari's offense when they're only doing one year. So you usually have to anticipate that they are better than what you saw on paper. Kelvin Johnson is someone who I do think can help the Pacers. Um, I think he would definitely be able to crack our rotation from from the start of the season, and I am interested. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily compare him to a Devin Booker, but we mm-hmm. kind of mentioned yeah. it with Tyler Hero. You know, Devin Devin Booker was a little bit under the radar coming out of Kentucky. Didn't put up great numbers. There's a lot of talent on that team. He slid all the way down to 12, I believe, 12 or 13 where the Suns got him. In that mm-hmm. same year, we got Miles Turner. So, I think it was 13 when they drafted him. Maybe I believe it was 13. Yeah, so in that same vicinity, you know, maybe Keldon Johnson jumps my big board a little bit. He's not in my top 15 right now. He's not in my top 18 right now, especially for fit. But I definitely think that I like Keldon Johnson's game. But if he's jumping some of the guys I'd rather have, like Grant Williams and P.J. Washington, even your guy, um, why am I – Kevin, Kevin Porter yeah, Jr. Yeah, Kevin Porter Jr. I was thinking, he is I was my thinking guy. of – I was thinking of the acronyms KPG, KPJ, but I couldn't think of it, and I can't even say it. So regardless, I'm just over here fumbling over my words like I usually do. But, yeah, Kevin Porter Jr., P.J. Washington, Grant Williams, those are the top of my board. Now I want to ask you this. We threw this out there on Twitter. Talon Horton Tucker was the selection made by Tony East and Adam Friedman from the Locked On Pacers podcast and the Locked On NBA mock draft. There's a lot of stuff that's obviously not going to be happening with that mock draft with especially the Anthony Davis trade. In this mock draft, he was traded to the Celtics. We know he's traded to the Lakers now. We also know that Atlanta traded back to the Brooklyn and Charlotte made a trade for 12 and 17. Well, we know that's not going to happen because Atlanta got the 17th pick from Brooklyn. So a lot of things have changed since, but still, they picked Town Horton Tucker at 18 when there was guys like Grant Williams, P.J. Washington, Tyler Hero, Cam Johnson on the board. What are your thoughts on them going so high on Town Horton Tucker? Uh, from all the mock drafts that I've been looking at and everything, that would have been the highest that I've pretty much seen. And maybe not the highest, but higher than most. Um, I do think that at 18, like I said before, it's not it's not bad value at all. He's just not my guy. I do think he's a little bit undersized. I know you were talking, I believe he's 6'4", and you know you brought up the whole positionless basketball. I get it. I get it. But seven foot one wingspan. Seven yeah, foot one. It's intriguing. That part is intriguing. 
But I do think there's guys that I would be way more interested in, like P.J. Washington before. If P.J. Washington falls to the Pacers, how are you going to pass that up? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Kevin Porter was taken early, I think like 12th or 13th in this mock draft, right? So, like, he was obviously off the board. But big guys like Grant Williams and P.J. Washington were there. I think Ruby Hachimura was there, too. He was drafted 19th by the Spurs in this mock draft. So, just... My kind of thinking is if P.J. Washington slides to 20, that's ridiculous, which I think he did because they picked Tyler Hero with the 20th pick. So Washington was sliding, and I know that some people might not be as high on Washington, but I absolutely love his game. And I just really wish the Pacers would go after a power forward because I feel like that's their biggest area of concern, especially when it comes down to that that group at 18. Like if all those power forwards are still there, I value them plus the fit more than I value a question mark in Talon Horton Tucker because he has skill. Don't get me wrong, but you you got to figure out how you're going to play him in this system. I completely agree. But also, I if, if P.J. Washington fell down to 18 or was even going anywhere past that, it would be a red flag to me that there's something that we're not aware of because it would just seem like too much of, of a fall. I mean, I've seen P.J. Washington a couple mock drafts going 11th yeah. overall. I've seen him going that high. So if he fell to 18 or 20, I would be pretty alarmed uh, that there is something potentially there. But, I mean, guys like Kevin Porter, I mean, I know he just recently worked out for the Washington Wizards. I mean, he, he might not be on the board. So I would be prepared to go in another direction. But like I said, P.J. Washington, I mean, he's, he's in my, my top two, basically, for the Pacers. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure where Romeo is going to end up. Yeah, Romeo's a question mark, I think. I don't think he'll get past 15 with the Pistons. I can't mm-hmm. see it. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, somebody I brought up, he went 16th, I believe, to the Orlando Magic. So maybe it was 17th, I don't remember. But anyway, he was in that in that range. And I just think that, yeah, the, actually the Cavs and Magic made a trade. So he went 15th to the Pistons there. And Romeo went 13th to the Heat in the Locked on NBA mock draft. Not trying to spoil all those picks if you haven't listened to those podcasts. But I just, I just like listening to people and see what they think. And I just, sometimes I feel like us as... You know, team, guys that are covering the team, we look too much at fit over overall talent. And mm-hmm. we, we think, oh, well, this guy's a great defender. We need defense. Let's draft him. Well, you know, you, you have a great player available, but you're going to draft a need over a, a fit and a need over uh, overall talent, which is just silly to me, especially when you're in the teens. This is when you have to make a risk and go after the best talent, which is why I don't hate the Talon Horton Tucker pick because that's what they kind of said when they are evaluating. We need wings. We don't really have a small forward outside of Bojan and McDermott. What they do with those two guys is still up in the air. You need a small forward. This is a guy that you know you take a gamble on at 18. Not my guy that I take a gamble on, but I understand the thought process of taking a gamble on somebody like that. So anyway, um, I just think sometimes that we value fit over talent and i think that's a bad idea i think it is because what might be a great fit this year might be completely different next year and i think this is the year like i said before you have to get the best talent possible which should be your main goal going to the draft and if there is a guy like a kevin porter jr where you know there's some you know maturity issues or anything that talent is too much to pass up on at 18 absolutely so this is going to conclude our first segment here and coming up on our second segment, second segment, ugh, can't talk still. In our second segment, we have a very special guest, Fachi. Who is that guest going to be? 
My man, TJ Webb, he is someone very closely tied to Victor Oladipo. I believe to be exact, the proper term would be a creative director, but he is someone who is always behind the scenes with Oladipo, putting together some of his uh, off-the-court projects, and is tied very close to Oladipo's rehab. So you are going to want to hear what TJ has to say about what Vic's been up to since we last saw him in January when he had that quad injury against the Raptors. Yeah, we couldn't get Vic on the show, but we got TJ, someone who's very close to him. And if you've been paying attention, the VO show is out there. It's a really fun series. You know, lots of information coming. We get to see how Oladipo was progressing with that injury, and we're going to talk to TJ about all that. So sit back, relax, and enjoy our conversation with TJ. Joining us now on the Smoke and Barrel Barbecue phone line is the one and only TJ Webb. He is the creative director for Victor Oladipo. TJ, glad to have you on. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So, TJ, tell Thanks us. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so, TJ, just tell us, who exactly is Victor Oladipo off the court, and how did you come in contact with him? Um, off the court, he's... Honestly, just a really amazing young man. Um, I'm 39, so I'm a little bit older than him. But to see someone of his age and his status be so humble and respectable, it's it's really uh, a breath of fresh air to see this guy off the court. To be honest, um, he's you know he you hear great stories about the guy, and I heard great stories about him before working with him. But then once you're actually around him and you get to see his personality, it's definitely infectious. Um, I mean, he's just He's one of the most genuine guys I've met. I haven't heard it. Um, Not one bad report about him. So, TJ, I mean, that's yeah, pretty it, awesome it, to back that up. Yeah, it's pretty like like I said, I, I I've been shooting videos for six years, and I've worked with tons of celebrities, and I can say he's one of maybe two or three celebrities that I can say are just truly genuine people. <laughs> he's a, he's a great guy. Uh, that, that's um, amazing. That's how I met him. Um, I used to I used to follow Shaquille O'Neal around when he first started DJing because uh, uh, I used to work for a rapper named Buzz Believe and Shaq took an interest in Buzz Believe and took him on tour with him. So um, after I stopped working for Shaq, Victor Oladipo's manager James Henderson um, reached out to Shaq's team asking if they knew any video guys because they had a couple projects they wanted to work on and uh, my name got in. You know, in in the somehow, and I started working with them, and it was about a month and a half before Vic's injury. So it was kind of like really good and bad timing. You know, bad for the injury, obviously, but good that they met me right before it happened because I've worked on several documentaries. So it was easy for me to just translate everything we're doing into something else with them. You know, was was Shaq as fun as he seems on TV? I mean, what is Shaq like on a personal level? Honestly, he's a big kid, like just a big, big baby. Like he, he makes jokes, practical jokes, just like you see him on TNT all the time, making jokes and cracking up Barkley. He's, he's just like that. Like he is a really funny guy <laughs> and he, he just, everybody is in a good mood around the guy. It's hard to be around someone that big and goofy and not be in a good mood. It's, it's pretty interesting to see. And like I said, he's probably one of the only other guys that I would say is as genuine as you see him on TV. He is in person. Um, he, he's been amazing. And the other thing about being with Shaq is he's best friends with everybody. So, like, anytime you go anywhere with him, you'll never know who pops out of the woodwork. You know, like, it, 
Like I got to meet Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers when I was with Shaq, oh, that's, awesome. you know, and that's one of his best friends, you know, and you wouldn't expect, you know, a little bass player and, you know, Shaq being, you know, best friends, but the guy, the guy is crazy and he's got crazy good friends. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. Uh, but going back to the person that we, we want to hear about most, I mean, tell us what is a typical day like with Victor Oladipo uh, starting from morning to night? Um, well, right now he, he's, definitely doing a lot to, to get better and to rehab. But um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he starts off with uh, Pilates. And after Pilates, well, actually, I'll, let me rewind. When he wakes up, the second he wakes up, I know he's awake because I'm staying, I stay at the house sometimes. So I'm downstairs and eight, nine in the morning, all of a sudden I can hear gospel music being sung at the top of his lungs from upstairs. <laughs> like he gets up and no joke, every day he just starts singing gospel, and he walks around the house just in a great mood. And then typically, when he gets down to breakfast, uh, it's something like Hercules or Mulan is on TV, and he watches Disney movies and eats breakfast. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't expect someone of that that stature to to be like that, but the guy he loves musicals and he loves music, so he wakes up just in a in a great mood, and it translates through the whole day. But um, after breakfast, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, he does Pilates. And that's the only anomaly. Everything else, Monday through Saturday, it's um, a couple hours of basketball training and then straight to physical therapy and then a couple hours of physical therapy. And then from there, we usually just go home and he has a, a chef right now that's cooking him you know, the best things that he can have while he's healing. So he's eating really healthy right now. And he just goes home and he relaxes and he just sits around with his friends and his manager and you know, they watch movies. We go to the theater a lot. Um, but he's just he's just keeping in really good spirits, and it's crazy seeing seeing how hard he's working. To be honest. Yeah, and while there isn't much of an exact timetable that you can put on a ruptured quad tendon, uh, what can you tell us about Victor's off-season regime? And does he ever sit still? Um, you know, just at nighttime. You know, during the day, he's he's. Basketball is his life, you know, so he really just wants to get back to the, the best level at a, at the NBA level that he can be at. And uh, he's always saying that he's never really got any of the goals he wants, you know, because he wants to be a league MVP. He wants to win rings and, you know, never having any of this stuff. It's just ingrained into him to work until he gets that stuff. So he really just eats, breathes, and lives becoming a better player. I mean, everything he, he does has got a reason. That's awesome. I mean, TJ, that's got to be pretty infectious. Does that have you kind of want to step things up to the next level? Oh, definitely. I don't know if you uh, recently saw the the video of him running on Bleacher Report, and then you could see me running beside him. Like <laughs> I did. I can't even keep. I, I can't even keep up with the guy, to be honest. Like I need to start because <laughs> now that he he he's able to run now, so everything's gonna gonna turn up from here, and I I kind of need to bring myself up to a level that I could keep up with him now. <laughs> Um, previously yeah. he's been doing a lot of working out that's like a little bit less, you know, like standing still or on chairs or, you know, but now that he's able to move so much, it's going to get real intense real fast. Yeah. You know, you sent me uh, the latest the VO show on Victor's YouTube channel and he was wearing some sunglasses that I guess his trainer controls with the ability to turn on and off, which focuses on how quick his reaction time is. I mean, is there any yeah. other like crazy workouts that come to mind that, that he's doing because I didn't even know those glasses existed. Like what's like one of the weirdest things you've seen that he's done. That's been effective. Um, to be honest, really, I think 
you know, it's pretty obvious, but sitting from a chair and shooting, I think that that really gave a lot to his upper body and a lot to his shooting because he seems effortless now whenever he's uh, on the court making shots. It, it's pretty amazing to see. Um, but other than that, the trainers that he uses uh, from Impossible Training, there's Michael Lancaster and Bryce Stanhope. They're doing great things as far as their hand-eye coordination skills. Um, they, I don't know how common it is because I haven't really been around a lot of other NBA players training, but just watching the sort of drills they do with him, um, they do some pretty interesting stuff. And it's all hand-eye, hand-eye based, so he's, he's definitely getting a, getting a good workout in. Yeah, one of the questions I have for you, you know, you're talking about Oladipo running, and I guess with a quad tendon, what are some of the things besides running that are going to be hard for him to adjust to now that he's been off his leg for so long? Is it going to be like the the quick, you know, jerk, you know, herky-jerk reactions, like stopping and planning and that kind of stuff? Obviously, I'm not a trainer, but just kind of some of the things that yeah. go into trying to get that that quad tendon strong enough to come back ready to go. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, like, and I'm not a, a therapist either, so I don't, I don't fully know, but just in my mind, just the, like the running, stopping and changing directions real fast. I think that's going to be interesting. Um, I don't know, uh, when he's going to start doing that kind of stuff right now. They're, they're not letting uh, him run at full potential. Um, he totally could. He seems like to me, just being around the guy every day, he seems like he's better. You from a day to day standpoint, you wouldn't notice that he's even injured. Um, but his therapist is really, really good and really conservative. So he's making sure that he doesn't do a lot of things. Like I think other players might have therapists that rush things a little quicker. Um, but Victor's therapist is definitely really good and his, his health is his number one concern. So, uh, he's been real conservative with Vic. Um, but on the other end of that, like I said, like if you were to just see Vic out and about, you wouldn't even know he was ever injured. It's pretty crazy. And to be honest, it was like, almost instantly like i kept asking him all the time month one you know like hey how, how are you feeling how's your leg and he was always telling me it doesn't hurt at all it's just a little tight it doesn't hurt at all wow. and from then on he's just been walking and being normal like so for me it seems like he's a normal person until we get into things like running and everything but um i also think jumping you know jumping might be a little weird you know he hasn't been able to do that yet so mm-hmm. i think that's going to be another one that he has to transition into TJ, was there like a, a specific moment or maybe like a month where you were just kind of blown away to be like, I did not think that he was at this point yet. And like, wow, uh, you know, I clearly I underestimated Victor Oladipo. You know, it's, since I'm there every day, um, it kind of all just, you see him progressing so fast, you kind of just expect things, you know what I mean? But um I'm not going to go too in detail on, on some of the things he does in physical therapy, but there's been some times in physical therapy where I'm like, man, I don't even think I could do that with my good legs. <laughs> and I'm seeing him do things, you know, like that are, that are pretty crazy. Um, the one thing like the VO show that we're doing, I try to show you like the world a little bit of what he's doing, but mm-hmm. we're really not trying to show and talk about a lot because we're doing a documentary on his recovery. Um, awesome. so yeah, so the the documentary will actually go really in depth on uh, on his whole process because I've I've literally been there every day but a couple days through that throughout the entire process and I've filmed everything so we've got 18 terabytes of footage in the can right now. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and I, I was, was I was actually yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. I was just I was just going to ask you. You know, you talked about Oladipo not doing any of the jumping yet, and how that's probably going to be weird. And so this injury that we're talking about that Oladipo suffered, we haven't really seen this happen too often in the NBA. The two players that have been brought to the table or to the you know this situation are Charles Barkley and Tony Parker, who were both obviously yep. in the latter part of their careers. So you know. Not that you're going to know for sure, obviously, what Oladipo is going to be when he comes back because this is a tough recovery. But do you think that Pacer yeah. fans should be excited that his, you know, youth is a is a factor in this and that he'll be able to overcome this, you know, whether it's definitely. this season or definitely, next season? I think, I think his youth plays a huge factor in everything and his mindset. He He's... He's got just a different mindset. Like, he really is a really focused person. You know, anything he wants, he's going to get. So mm-hmm. I truly believe that, uh, you know, if there's something he needs to do, if his therapist tells him when he gets to a certain point, you got to do this religiously to get to this, uh, he's going to do everything that, you know, people recommend him to do. Um, he's definitely not taking anything lightly. And he's definitely, you know, because we, we hear about other players sometimes and how, like, they only go to therapy once a week or twice a week. I mean, this guy's doing it six days a week and listening to every single thing his therapist says. So wow. I can really see a, a lot of good coming out of him next season. That's awesome. Yeah. As as Pacer fans, I mean, that's as great as it could possibly sound. Uh, so would this be kind of like your Aaron Rodgers version of telling everybody to relax? Like, hey, it's going to be just fine? <laughs> Yeah, I think I think he's going to be a new victory we've never seen. To be honest, because he's when when do players get a full year to take off and just hone in on their skills? You know what I mean? So he's he's basically had a he's going to have before next season a whole year to find himself, find new skills, find out how to get his leg working better, and uh, I think everything adding up is going to make a better victory than before. Yeah, so the last question for me, I was just going to ask you, because I think it's pretty cool how you're into music. And Victor, obviously, is into music. So are you guys, you know, behind the scenes, working on something, collabing a little bit that we're going to see out there uh, in the future? Um, He's definitely working on a new album right now. Um, Okay. And once he starts getting some of the songs down, I'm definitely going to start pitching him ideas for music videos, because that's... My passion is really into shooting music videos. I love shooting documentary work, too. It's a lot of fun, but uh, I like to get creative and make cool special effects and that kind of thing, and music videos give me the freedom to do that. So I'll definitely say that, you know, we'll definitely make some music videos together when he's when he's ready, and they'll probably be pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think that's got to be something that would be combining, like, two of your loves, so I'm sure you'd be stoked for that. Now, you mentioned um, oh, yeah. that there's the Oladipo's rehab documentary. I would imagine that that would probably conclude towards the end of the year after he's probably made his debut, right, on the season? Yeah, the, the way I see it ending um, is kind of, you know, like his first time stepping back on court, you know, seeing mm-hmm. all the fans going wild for the first time and, maybe capturing, you know, a couple of the plays on his first game, but that's kind of where I'm seeing the documentary end. But he's a, he's, he's a very, um, he's very smart young man and very into everything that surrounds his life. So he's kind of, he's not necessarily co-directing the documentary with me, but he's got a lot of input. So if he, you know, if he says it should go a little longer, then it'll go a little longer. But um, I see it kind of ending when his first game back. Yeah, I have that same kind of image there. It just seems like the the proper way to end the documentary, put yeah. it full circle. Um, now, other than yeah. the documentary, I mean, is there any other projects that us Pacer fans should uh, 
should be aware of that you and Victor are working on, or maybe just yourself? Um, I mean, we got that whole VO show going on YouTube, mm-hmm. and um, we're doing 26 episodes in total, and we just finished episode nine. So that's okay. going to be going for a little bit longer. Um, besides that, there's, there's some other things, but I can't really talk about them. But sure. he's definitely trying to be more media-related. And uh, he's just, like I said, he, he's a smart guy, and he wants to he wants to grow in everything that he does. So I can see him maybe in the future wanting to be in movies and things of that nature also. Yeah, that'd be pretty sick. I mean, if you were to put Oladipo in a movie, what kind of star would you see him uh, portraying in a movie? Like, what kind of genre would you see him in as a movie star? You know, like, as me, I'm just a comic book fan, so I could see him as a superhero. And the guy, to me, already is a superhero. The way he's, like, just better, you know what I mean? He's, He's a strong dude, so I could see him in that aspect. But on the flip side of that, he's a very uh, caring guy. So I could maybe see him in like some kind of like romantic love story. Um, <laughs> uh, a Hallmark especially movie. Especially because he sings, you know. Yeah, because he's an R&B singer and everything. I could I could see that translating really well for ladies, you know what I mean? So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, while know, we're on he's, the... T- he's definitely... Oh, yeah, you can go. No, as I said, while we're on the topic of movies, uh, would Vic have any interest in throwing his name in the hat for Space Jam 2? Um, to be honest, I, I don't know too much on that one. Um, you know, I love the Space Jam series, so I could, I'd could love to see him in it, but I don't know how he feels. Uh, I don't think we've really ever talked about it. Yeah, I wonder when they're going to be doing that, that filming anyway, if he'd be ready or not injury-wise to be a part of that. That'd be interesting as well but all right you threw it out there you said he's got some new songs coming i said that i didn't have many more questions but i'm interested uh right now currently what is your favorite oladipo track that he's put out so far um the one he put out so far that i like the most is probably connected with tnb rock that one is definitely one of his most viewed videos too um but it's got a good vibe and like i'm i i listen to a lot of things with video, you know what I mean? So, like, right. a lot of his songs that don't have music videos with them, I don't put on repeat. But, like, I've watched every one of his videos over and over again, just like I do any other artist. And that one's definitely my favorite video with him. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's got a good vibe. And I've also, I really like TMD Rock's music as well. So, that, that was an easy one for me. <laughs> but there is a couple new songs that he's working on that, uh, that just blow my mind. Like, when he played one of the new songs he's working on, and I heard it for the first time, I was like, oh, man, this is a hit. And every time he's played that song in front of anyone else, everybody says the same thing. So uh, he's got some really good stuff around the corner. That's awesome. I'd love to hear a, a gospel mashup, maybe a gospel R&B song with him, you know and, Tor- with him and Tori what... Kelly. That'd be sick. <laughs> I've, I've been, to be honest, I've been telling him he needs to branch off into the gospel a little bit because he's so religious. Plus, the gospel market is so much bigger, you know, and he can touch so many more people. So I'm like, I've been actually throwing that in his ear every once in a while please be honest well th- tell him i said it my name's alex golden he might not know me but just let him know that i'm back i'm back there helping you out tj i support you in this decision <laughs> yeah i think gospel would be great i uh i used to work at a place called full sale university and there's a, a guy named hezekiah walker i don't know if you've ever heard of him but yeah, he's a I've gospel him, singer for sure yeah he's He's came and done some concerts at Full Sail, and I keep telling Victor we should reach out to him, and him and Vic should collab, too, because I totally think Victor could go, you know, he could even win awards if he did a gospel album, I think. So, I don't know, I keep putting that in his ear. I could see it. 
Well, hey, TJ, we definitely enjoyed the time and, and the insight that you provided. I mean, it really has us fired up to uh, see Vic back on the court and also very excited to check out that documentary when it officially is released. And uh, tell us where we can find you on social media and all the, the projects that you're working on. Um, you know, I'm on social media at Strumthing on Instagram, and that's Strum, like Strum a Guitar, T-H-I-N-G. And then Vic is obviously at Vic Oladipo. Um, and right now we got his YouTube channel also under his name, and that's where most everything's going right now. Um, as far as the documentary, um, when we're done shooting it, I don't know where it's going to go because we're trying to get some major networks involved, and there's obviously been a lot of uh, a buzz with some of the major networks we've showed the trailer to so far, so... Um, I got really good hopes that the documentary is going to be seen on a worldwide level. Um, but it's it's definitely got it's got some amazing stuff, man. He, his recovery has been amazing to to watch, and it's still going. And to me, it feels like it's almost done, even though it's just kind of probably around the halfway point. But he is just he's a soldier, man. He really is. Absolutely, man. That sounds so dope. We're looking forward to the documentary. We're going to continue following Victor on his show. And once again, TJ, we yep. really appreciate your time. And hopefully when the documentary comes out, we can have you back on again to help promote the show. Yeah, and no, I'd, just talk about yeah, it I'd all love again. To get on. Yep, uh, I'd love to get back on after, after the work's done because then I could really open up and kind of reflect with you guys about everything. There we go. We'd, We'd love, love that. We would love that. So thanks yep. again, TJ. Pacer Nation for life. We appreciate you. Take care of Vic. Let us know yep. what we can do to – help bring along some information to the Pacer fans who are eager to see Victor back on the court. So, TJ, we thank you for your time. Yeah. No worries. And like I said, next season is going to be amazing. I just I can't go into so much detail about how great this guy is, but he's really great. His, uh, his work ethic blows my mind, and you're going to see it translate next year for sure. All right, Fachi, let's close this thing out. Talking a little bit about Anthony Davis's trade to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Pelicans get about 37 picks. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, uh, Josh Hart, and anybody else? Am I missing anybody else? I think that's about it, right? Nope, you named them. Yeah, so those three players and then a, a slew of picks. So, yes, Anthony Davis is on the Lakers now, but the big pick that the, the Pelicans acquired was that number four for this year's draft. Now, it's still in principle the deal can't be made till July 6th, and that's if Anthony Davis waives his $4 million trade bonus, I believe, which I don't think is going to happen. So it could take up till July 30th for this trade to be official, but there are speculations out there that the Pelicans might want to move this fourth overall pick, so they could the Lakers could be picking for a third team if the Pelicans decide to make a move. And Bill Simmons on his podcast today with Ryan Russillo was looking at some possibilities and he threw out the idea of Miles Turner and the Pacers 18th overall pick for the expiring contract of Solomon Hill and the fourth overall pick. We put a poll out on Twitter under setting the pace three and all we got back for the most part was a landslide of absolute no's. Fachi, when you first saw that deal, what was your thought? My my initial thought was, hey, it would be interesting to have the fourth overall pick because the Pacers just they never picked that high. But ooh, man, Pacer Nation came to the poll and they were angry. They wanted nothing to do with that deal at all. And when you really break it down, I mean Solomon Hill would just eat into the cap this year to the point where that would kind of take us out of the running to really bring really do much in free agency. I feel like we'd be able to still sign a max player, but then at that point, I mean, 
We're probably going to have to let Boyan go. Maybe you have enough for that. But then uh, you're you're filling the rest of the roster with just pennies on the dollar. Uh, well, I don't know about that because you're getting rid of Miles Turner's $18 million. Sure. So, sure. so if you take on the number four salary cap – plus Solomon Hill, that's going to equal about the expense of Miles Turner's contract. Plus you don't have to sign that 18th pick that you draft. So you actually probably do get on the good side of the cap compared to what they have now. Not by much, but by a couple million. I don't think it really hurts them that much, but this draft is a three-person draft for me. It is, it is. And trading up to the number four spot, while in most drafts you might love that, that's a little bit nerve-wracking if you're giving up arguably your second best player on the team. Uh, and he, I, I believe that he is probably the second best. Uh, it could, could, I'm not saying that because you never know with, with Sabonis. However, it's just the unproven commodity of the fourth overall pick in a three-man draft. I mean, what is that? Who you get, you're getting just a complete mystery pick. Yeah. So I, I do think that you know, off air, you and I spoke about a trade that could possibly involve a Drew Holiday. That I was way more intrigued by. Okay, uh, well, since this was my trade idea, let me throw this out here so fans sure can hear, hear my counter offer to this. Just kind of speculating because we have all had interest in Drew Holiday at some point. Now, he is a little bit older, so that is one of the things that people probably have concerns with. So let me throw this trade out there, Fachi. This is something we talked about. You yep. you said that you wouldn't do this if you're in New Orleans, but here's what I'm gonna throw out. Yeah. Drew Holiday, number four, and Solomon Hill for Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and the eighteenth pick. Now, if New Orleans laughs and says we're not giving up Drew in the fourth for Miles Turner, I can understand that because I think us as Pacer fans overvalue Miles Turner because he's on the team. He led the t- he led the league in shop. You know, and block shots. Of course, he did. He's he's a solid defender, a solid rim protector. The reason why I think this trade might work is because you're allowing the Pelicans to get off Solomon Hill's horrible contract. They still get a pick. Yes, it's later, but they already have the number one overall pick. And Miles Turner's 23. He fits in with the age group of that young Pelicans core. I know that it's a little bit much to give up Drew Holiday and the number four. So if they did not like that trade straight up. I would consider throwing a future first-round pick in there, possibly unprotected, but also I would think about putting some like top five, top seven protections on it just in case the Pacers fall. But I do think that if you can get the fourth pick, Andrew Holiday, for Miles Turner, basically, McDermott, and the 18th, I think that's a pretty fair trade. And then, you, like you mentioned earlier, this would eat into our salary cap, bringing on Solomon Hill, so you would have to take on $11 million of dead cap space unless you can find a way to flip that as well uh, to a, to a team. So a team that's winning and expiring for this upcoming off season uh, following 2019. So yeah, that's my thought. And I want to hear your thoughts on it. So if we, if I don't think that they would do the deal unless we threw in an additional pick that you mentioned. And at that point, guys, I do think this is something the Pacers have to entertain if the Pacers were able to sign Drew Holiday outright, he might actually end up have been the best acquisition, the biggest acquisition the Pacers have had when he's up against David West. So you're looking at a guy who's already signed, and it wouldn't be a max deal because he'd be making about $25 million per year for, I think it's the next two or three years. Yeah. Uh, you're getting McDermott off the books. That's $14 million compared to Solomon Hill, just one year of $11 million. So you're actually saving a few million in that process. I feel fine if the picks say top five protected because 
if the Pacers have Drew Holiday and Oladipo, I mean, alone, those are two of the better defensive guards in this league. Yeah. I mean, you saw Oladipo coming off first-team defensive when, when he was healthy, and Drew Holiday just did that. I believe he was all defensive first-team. Also, two of the, the, the better scoring backcourts it would be, definitely in the Eastern Conference, um, to the point where I would feel good about that. And then, come on, the fourth overall pick, to be able to pump some youth into this team, I think that would be, be very nice. And then, obviously, you take the money that we were going to owe, the $72 million that we would have owed Miles Turner, and you put it towards Sabonis. At that yeah. point... We don't have – we're not so invested into the center position. We're more equally invested overall in the team to the point where I'm fine with giving up the 18th pick and an additional pick. Yeah, it's one of those I, things where – I, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm right there with you. I think I would do it. I think Pelicans fans would be like, that's a big price to pay for Miles Turner. That's why you'd have to throw the additional pick in, I believe, as well. And sometimes I get very frustrated with Pacer fans because – Maybe I undervalue Miles. Maybe you undervalue Miles Turner. But they overvalue some of our players so much. And it's very frustrating. You know, look at what the Pelicans, I mean, look what the Lakers had to give up for Anthony Davis. They had to give up like six picks in the future with pick swaps and pick rights and all this stuff. They're mortgaging their future just to get a player that can hopefully help them win a title in the next three years. While Miles Turner is a really solid basketball player, he's movable. He's not the best player in the NBA. And you know what? If you're looking at buying a new car, he's not your first option. He's probably, you know, the SUV that you want to upgrade to that's got a sunroof, but he's not the nice Corvette or the Porsche that's going to get all the girls looking, wow, who's that guy in that car? You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where I get frustrated, where it's like, look, I get it. Solomon Hill in the four for Miles Turner in the 18th. Yeah, when you think about the players involved, it's not sexy. But if you look at the guy at number four, if there's somebody you really like, whether it's Cam Reddish, Jarrett Culver, DeAndre Hunter, one of those guys, if you really like them, that could really be nice. And think about this, Fachi. If that trade does happen where you involve Drew in the number four, think about a backcourt of Drew Holiday, Victor Oladipo, and then a defensive-minded player like a Jarrett Culver or DeAndre Hunter, both who are on great defensive teams this year with Texas Tech and Virginia two of the best defenses that were in the championship game. Adding a player like that, I think DeAndre Hunter would be my pick there just because he fits the 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 bill, a small forward. Um, it's just something I would really look at and consider. Darius Garland, a point guard. I don't know if you really want to invest in another guard with Aaron Holiday and Victor Oladipo and Drew there. So, yeah, that's my counter trade. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. We'll do another Twitter poll on that. And I'm sure everybody's going to say, flip Turner and Sabonis. Sabonis is worse than Turner. But let me tell you this. Sabonis only makes $3 million. Turner makes 18 The salaries match much better for this trade to happen. If you were going to try and swap Sabonis in there to come up with additional salary, I just do not know how you'd be able to make that work. So Turner's the one that fits the bill. And, hey, guys, while he did get better this year, he definitely did, I felt that he was closer to year two Miles Turner than he was to really having a career year. So, you know, let's yeah. just see. I, I want to be able to see him get closer to that 15 and 10 mark rather than consistently staying at 13 and 7. Obviously, the rim protecting, we know what he brings to the table. Yeah, and I think Miles Turner is a much better fit next to a Zion Williamson because of his ability to shoot compared to a Domas Sabonis. And we talked with David Grubb about that, and I know a lot of people were very upset with that trade idea, but that's just because you're in love with Miles Turner. 
It's all right if you love basketball players. I love that you love this team and the players on it, but you have to be open to change if you want to win a championship. And I'm not saying getting rid of Miles Turner is going to help you do that, but I think getting talent to balance out the roster is the way to go. So, Fachi, let's sign off here. Any final words? Let's go Pacers. All right, Pacer Nation. You can follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. Make sure you find all of our great work on PacersTalk.net. We appreciate the love and the support. Go to iTunes, leave us a rating and a review, and then you can find our web our episodes also on YouTube where we're downloading all of our episodes there now. So until next time, Pacer Nation, peace out. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.